Today's Pentecost Sunday. 50 days after Easter. Penta means five. And on Pentecost Sunday would be a celebration 2,000 years ago that the Jews instigated after they had been delivered from Egypt. The Passover lamb was slain. The Passover angel came and killed the firstborns in Egypt. It was the 10th and final plague, the one that finally did Pharaoh in and allowed the children of Israel to go free. And the children of Israel who had blood on their doorposts at the top and blood on the doorpost frames and blood at the threshold of their doors. It was the perfect picture of a cross. And they had applied that blood from an innocent lamb. And when the death angel came and passed over Israel or passed over Egypt, that death angel was looking for blood. And when it saw blood on homes, it realized that's a household of faith. It's a household that is trusting in the blood of the lamb might not have made sense to them. It would have been gory and gross and maybe even confusing, but it was clear. This is what Moses said to do. And so they did it. And as that angel passed over and lives were spared because a life had already been shed, they were delivered from Egypt. Now, 50 days later, while they're walking in the wilderness, real cool stories. One of the things they decided to do though is to worship God. Thanking him for what he'd done 50 days earlier, listen, and bringing first fruits. That is, as they were journeying through the wilderness, they were continuing to farm agriculturally somehow and to produce on their journey. I don't know if they had, you know, growers markets on wagons or what they had going on there, but they worshiped the Lord in that way. Here's why we celebrate that today. 50 days after our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, was slain on the cross buried in the tomb, risen from the dead on what we call Easter or Resurrection Day or the Lord's Day. 50 days after that, the children of Israel were in Jerusalem praying as Jesus said. On the day of Pentecost, Jerusalem swelled up and everyone came there, all the Jews from all over the world. You can read it in Acts chapter two. I believe there are 13 different ethnicities mentioned, Iconians and people from Lystra people from Derby, people from all over, people from Iran, all there that showed up. And in that moment, on Pentecost Sunday, the very first one, the Holy Spirit was given to the church and they received the power of God. As Jesus promised, go into Jerusalem and wait and there you will be endued with power from on high and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Can you imagine what that 10 day waiting period must've been like? This is boring. I mean, if you read the book of Acts, you say, I love the book of Acts. The gospel's in the book of Acts. One of my favorite, because it's real people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like real people. All the epistles, which is where we're at right now, and we're reading from the epistles. And I was just kind of thinking about First and Second Timothy after this. Maybe we'll see what we do after that. And, you know, hearing from God's word. But when I see it with God's men and God's women, I just relate. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see how I would do something dumb like that. I can see how I'd be just like Peter. And there on the second day, nothing happened. On the third day, they had a business meeting, kind of out of order, no power, doing stuff. And maybe you've done that before. You don't have the permission of God. You don't have the power of God. But man, you're a person of God, so you're going to do stuff. And you end up paying for it. And we see that in chapter one. And chapter two, the 10th day, the Bible says they were there, all of them in one accord. And the Holy Spirit began to blow. It was the sound of wind. And it was as if tongues of fire appeared on them. I don't know if there really was any wind or just the sound. 
I don't know if there really was fire or just a peering of fire. And the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And the church was born in the power of the Holy Spirit. And people began to prophesy in new tongues. And people from foreign lands heard their tongue. And they said, wait, you know my people? No, but I know your God. And the church was born. All peoples can be saved. How? By the offering that was accepted 50 days earlier and the first fruits. Just Bible students, pay attention. This is important. The first fruits, the fruits of our, our labor, the fruits of our growth, we're giving it to the Lord. And Jesus was the offering. It's him, not you. Jesus gave himself the offering, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world 50 days earlier. And the fruit of his offering wasn't us giving God something. It was Jesus giving us his own righteousness. Jesus giving us his own strength. Jesus giving us his own spirit. Jesus did it all, so Jesus paid it all because Jesus wanted to give it all. That's what Pentecost Sunday is all about. This is radically important because for 10 days, you ever just sat around for 10 days? Okay, it's called a family reunion. It's horrible. (laughs) Everyone's mad at each other, fighting, you know. It's tough. Don't look at me all, you know. You know? And let's go, that's four. And then before that, Jesus was going to and fro in his, his resurrected body and It was confusing and scary. Peter was having bad days. And 50 days before that, Jesus was dying. And if you take any one of those factors and set them aside, say, man, life's tough, isn't it? Isn't life just tough sometimes? I prayed with a friend of mine in the hallway. Where's she at? She was crying. Tough. Tough. And I asked her, I said, are you in in between treatments? She said, yeah, I just got a treatment on Thursday. and Just some so... So weak. Said she didn't want to be here. And I said, well, Jesus loves it when we show up in our weakness. Life's tough, isn't it? It's tough. And sometimes you can conclude in the toughness that things have gone awry. Things aren't as they should be. Somebody missed their appointment. Somebody dropped the ball. How could this have happened? How could this marriage have failed? How could this disease have taken over? How could my kids have turned out this way? How could I have turned out this way? And here's the beautiful thing about the word of God. It doesn't pull any punches, does it? It just puts it out there like it is. God is the hero every time. You and I, collectively, not so much. Kind of a strong word, but I like to call us not the hero, but the zero. I mean, you can think whatever you want of yourself, but I know who I am. I bring nothing to the equation. He's the hero. And so when I feel like a zero, and when it appears that the church is done or boring or not moving forward or things are out of order or irreparable, just remember what the scriptures have taught us. God doesn't miss anything. God does all things well. He uses even the difficulties in our lives. As a matter of fact, as the church would be anointed, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, if you were writing the story, just kind of maybe end it there, and they live happily ever after. Acts chapter two, you know? Holy Spirit descends, boom, right? Right? They start walking in power. Peter and John go to the temple and heal the guy that had been lame from birth. Like, okay, that's enough, end of story. Guy's so fired up. 
They get arrested. They get tried, put in jail overnight. 5,000 people get saved. It's one trial after another for the last 2,000 years. I say that to you who are prone to trials, dealing with trials, have a database of trials, are recovering from a trial, in a trial, preparing for a trial. Okay? I miss you? Good. I get you? Good. Good. Okay? Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Jesus is real. Jesus saves. Just because it got dark, just because it's nasty, just because you're weak, just because you failed, just because you're crying, just because you can't pull it together, just because you don't have the right answers, just because it's not fun anymore, doesn't mean anything compared to the promises of God. He told us, it's going to be gnarly, guys. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I need to hear this every day, do you not? I just need to be reminded. Pentecost Sunday. The church is not dead. The gospel will not be stopped. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Anybody and everybody. Anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A couple weeks ago, I tried to show you guys the video from our Easter service where we baptized some people. It wasn't ready and working. It is now. And the reason I want to show it to you today on Easter Sunday or 50 days later, Pentecost Sunday, is because I want you guys to be excited at what Jesus is doing. In the midst of chaos and calamity and crisis and difficulty, pandemics, to remember what Jesus is doing. Throughout the scriptures, they gathered and they prayed and they always started their prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, God of the heavens and the earth and the sea. You're the God of everything. Sometimes we spend so much time focusing on how big our problems are, where we need to tell our problems how big our God is. So we're going to show this. I showed it last week to the second service. I'm going to show it to them again. I just love this stuff because I want to remember that the Lord is doing things. So go ahead and play this video and let's celebrate in what God did 50 days ago.
so awesome to see so many people getting baptized. And some of the things I noticed in that video as I watch is the dads and the moms alongside of their kids being baptized and the young people being baptized, so many young people. One of the girls that was baptized in the first service, she posted a short video on, on TikTok. And by the end of the weekend, it had a quarter million views, people just encouraging her and being baptized at South Beach Church. And it's so sweet. And Elijah, little Elijah that was got, got baptized, he had his shirt off in there. Man, as soon as he jumped in, he wanted to go swimming. <laughs> he was surprised at how warm it was. He's like, it's warm. And he started to do a swan dive in. And I was like, no, no, bro. And, just so, so comfortable, you know. And I just want you guys to be encouraged, no matter what you're going through right now. Okay, the Holy Spirit has power for you. The Holy Spirit was given for you, given for me, given for this world. Not just for a small group of people, but as evidenced in Acts chapter two, for everybody who would call upon the name of the Lord. So would you just pray with me before we begin our Bible study today? Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you. We honor you. We love you. We seek you together, and we ask, Lord, that you would have your way in, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the weakness, in the midst of the sin. Lord, in the midst of the failures, in the midst of the death, in the midst of the brokenness, we look to you. We look to you. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Yet, Lord, your church is drawn to that light. Have your way now as we open up 2 Peter chapter 1. Would you do a work in us, Jesus? Make us the men and women you want us to be. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Take your Bibles now and open up to first, no, no, 2 Peter 1. And I'm going to read a couple verses. You who are note takers, I want you to jot down a few thoughts today. Number one is one of the major themes of 2 Peter. And one of the major themes of 2 Peter is don't forget what you already know. You ever forget something you already know? Like when you find yourself walking the opposite direction, it's not that you like didn't know, it's just that you forgot. Or when somebody brings it to your attention, what you're doing or not doing, you're like, yeah, I, I, man, for real? This isn't new. I know. Yeah, somehow I forgot. The second major theme is not just don't forget, but keep growing. Okay, don't grow stagnant. Don't stop moving forward. Don't forget, don't stop growing. Okay, read with me verses one through eight. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Stop right there, eyes up here. Verses one through four, if you want to just kind of break it down in your study, he's talking about what Jesus has done. It's all about who Jesus is. He's making much of Jesus. It's all about Jesus, man. Jesus has done it all. Verse five, segue, but also for this very reason giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things, these seven things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Peter is reminding them of what they already know, and he's encouraging them to keep growing in the knowledge of God. He uses the word knowledge five times in those eight verses. Knowledge. And when he uses the word knowledge, it's not just a passing shallow understanding. What he's exhorting the Christians in those days to do is to have a deep understanding of what in the world is going on. You know how imperative this is right now, don't you? That you as sheep, you as under shepherds, you as moms and dads and leaders, or to use Peter's word, you as servants, got to know what's going on. Got to understand. As a matter of fact, if you want to consider what Peter's main emphasis is, Peter is convinced that in order to not be deceived with the coming heresies and heretics, that you need to find yourself growing in the knowledge of this book. He's gonna warn us in chapter two of heretics and heresies and false teachers. And it's important that we as believers know the truth so when fallacies and heresies and heretics and false teachers come up, you're like, you know, I just don't think that tastes right. It's kind of like diet soda. I mean, have you ever had diet soda? It's gross. Man, it is not right. It's not okay. It's a bad thing. Just stop it, you know. I'm just playing with you guys who drink diet soda, but but I'm right, you know. It's not the real thing. Pepsi challenge, let's do it. You'll know, you'll see. And it's important that we know, chapter two is gonna say, guys, there's gonna be some crazy people coming along teaching crazy stuff, and you gotta be able to say, no, that's not the real thing. That's not the real thing. The only way to do that is to know the real thing. Matter of fact, I used to get real excited about studying the, the fake news. I used to get books on cults and false religions, and I used to just read them. I just wanted to study, wanted to know, and, and, and there's some, some merit to that, some value if you're a teacher and want to know what's going on with you know, the other things. A greater endeavor is to get to know this book so well that you don't need to explain Rastafarianism or Buddhism or Taoism or, or Islam. You don't need to explain all that. You just know when you're knower. No, it doesn't check out. It's not all there. It's fake. It's made up. It's not real. Peter is convinced that the way to make sure you're ready for heretics and false teachers is to grow in the knowledge of this book. He's also convinced that in order to be ready for the return of Jesus, which he talks about in chapter three, is to be knowledgeable in this book. How many of you guys want to be ready on the day that Jesus returns? What? I mean, now come on. Jesus gave many, many parables about people who weren't ready for his return. Like Jesus didn't just give throwaway teachings for no real reason. He said, no, no, it's going to be a real day. I'm going to show up and I'm going to say, is there even faith here? What's going on? I'm going to show up and people are going to be not ready. Peter says, do you want to be ready? Then you need to grow in the knowledge of this book. And not only that, but he told us in his first letter that if you want to suffer well, you need to grow in your knowledge of this book. Okay, we're going to simply call that theology. That is the study of God. Theos, God, and ology, the study thereof. The study of God. Did you know we're all theologians, every single one of us? Not all good ones. Not Everyone's a theologian, not even just us here. Everyone is a theologian because everyone has an opinion or some vague knowledge about God, and they've come to a conclusion about God, whether they believe he exists, whether they believe he's a she, whether they believe he has many heads, whether they believe that all this is made up. They come to a theological conclusion, right or wrong. It's important that you know that. Because somebody here, even who wants to be right and true, wants to be ready, wants to walk in the power of the Spirit, you might say, I'm not a theologian. Yes, you are. What kind of theologian is, is to be determined based on every single day that you live? That's why we study the Bible here. We want to be good theologians. 
and how good our knowledge or opinion of God is only going to be determined by the source of that knowledge. I'll give you three ways that people become theologians. Number one, some base their knowledge on what they've heard others say. Okay, this is really dangerous. You heard somebody say something, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, it checks out. Okay, this is called university, community college, public school. They're going to tell you about God. It's just what, you know, no, there's no real study involved. There's no real digging, no real, no real facts. You just hear somebody. This, this is called hearsay. You hear somebody say it, now you believe it. It's just hearsay. It's dangerous, by the way. Okay. Don't base your theology on what other people have said. The second way, this is even more dangerous, uh, the second way we base our knowledge uh, and theological conclusions is not based on what other people say, but what we feel and our experiences and what we think. Okay, this isn't just dangerous, this is foolish. This is America, by the way. People feel, and therefore they act. People feel, and therefore they conclude. Have you seen, you've seen this? You know, don't mess with my feelings. My feelings are my feelings. Are my feelings. And I'm not going to say and argue that you don't have feelings. We all got feelings. But your feelings need to be run, okay, through the filter that the Father's given to us in his word. Don't base your theological conclusions based on your experiences or your feelings. That's incredible. The third way that we want to focus on our knowledge and our theological conclusion is what this book teaches and what has been taught and accepted in the church for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that's where our theology, and that's where our understanding of God's word comes from. And I want to level with you guys because, let's be honest, do you, don't, you don't need to raise your hand or anything, but do you guys get overwhelmed with this, the size of this book? Okay, this is 2021. Okay, we're in a very polarized culture. We're in a very shallow think tank. Our, our our, our sensors and our receptors are very shallow. We're just, we're overstimulated. And so if I say, hey, tell me your favorite chapter in Leviticus, you're like, Leviticus, what? What? You know, I mean, just, I'm just be honest. And let me encourage you. And you got to make some big girl and some big boy decisions moving forward. I do too. What kind of person I want to be. I want to be a good theologian that is spending time in this book. Peter's going to be saying this over and I'm just trying to say what Peter's going to say. I'm, I'm warming you up for what he's going to tell you guys. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and knowledge, 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 knowledge. Gnosis is the Greek word. It's a deep understanding. It's not just a passing casual scroll thumbing, little devotional on your app, little, I just kind of want to know a little bit, kind of go through and touch. He says, no, 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 no. Heretics are coming. False teachers are coming. Jesus Christ is coming. You're coming. You're going to bring your feelings to the table, and they're going to be all over the place. And so he tells us, get into the book. And I just want to encourage you guys, the same way you would approach an elephant if you were to eat the whole thing. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Okay. And medium, cooked medium. You got to cook that sucker. Let me just, before I move into the actual text here, I'm just trying to get you guys warmed up for what I believe Peter's yelling at us. As you guys get in the book, as you read it, just make it a lifestyle until you die. There's no race. There's no arrival. There's no winner. Okay, it's a lifestyle. It's what we do. Just make it, just ask the Lord to give you a sensitivity towards his word. Ask the Lord to identify the areas in your life that have been taken captive and now you don't have time for his word or an appetite for his word because you're full of the things of the world. Ask the Lord to create in you a new heart. 
And let me just warn you, there's two basic pitfalls to theology. Okay, pick, pick yours. There's the road where we want to be. Then there's two ditches. One is the ditch of theological prowess, where I know more than most, and I've been around, and I've been saved for 320 years, and, and I'm walking, you know, I, I've been there, I started clubs and churches and groups, and you know, you're, I'm a theological, and, and you can get into the ditch, listen, of arrogance and pride and criticism, we'll just simply call this religion, where you're a religious theologian. This is crazy. Jesus Christ came to the most religious society of that day, okay, and they killed him. I mean, trip out. These were good guys. Like, according to the law, according to, according to what was, like, theologically right, like, let's do it. Let's kill the guy. Like, whoa. So there's a ditch. Let's stay out of that ditch where we just want to kill everybody, okay? The second ditch, which I believe is most of us, you guys pick your ditch you're in right now, is not being excessive and critical and arrogant religion, but instead you're lazy, disconnected, you're mature, and you're weak when it comes to the knowledge of God. And we're going to call that not religious, but we're going to call that carnal. We're just, I don't know. And, and guys, I think this is the American church by and large. We just, we got sermonettes for Christianettes and we're just, this is the enemy's tactic to slowly get us just spread too thin. I speak of myself. Maybe you have the same problem. Or you can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be that theologian. Peter is, I believe in this epistle, warning and preparing the church for the problems that come from inside the church, heretics and holiness issues. First Peter, he prepared them for the pressure that was gonna come from Rome as persecution would come after the burning of Rome and Caesar Nero, and it was just gonna get difficult, and it did. Second Peter's a little different focal point. The guys, don't worry about what's outside, don't worry about the government, don't worry about Cape Brown, don't worry about Biden, don't worry about all these people, okay, that's gonna, gonna run their course. Second Peter, he says, you know what you need to worry about? Holiness and heretics. That's, that's within the church. I find my greatest danger, at least right now in my life, my greatest danger, my greatest problem isn't somebody out there, okay? It's the guy I wake up and look at in the mirror every day. I think your greatest problem, your, the person you need to be aware of the most is the person sitting next to the person sitting next to you. That's a stupid way of saying that's you. That's the person you should worry about the most. And Peter said, okay, guys, you saved? Sweet. Now add to your salvation virtue. And add to virtue, godliness, and perseverance, knowledge, patience, brotherly kindness, and love. For if these things are yours and abound, listen, you will never stumble. It's kind of, it's like Peter's last, I mean, it's his last, it's the last pass of Peter before he dies. So it's kind of a big deal. Let's, let's just rip through. And, and, and I've said this before, and I don't want to go into a lot about Peter, but what greater person to be exhorted, to receive from, to even be chided a little bit than Peter? I mean, come on. Pete, what is Peter. Peter, what do you know? What do you know? He's like, well, I know some stuff. Studied with Jesus Christ for three years. He gave me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. No big deal. You know, subtle flex. I got the keys. 
And yet Peter was a complete failure, a complete wash up, a complete baby. And yet Jesus restored him. And so Peter here, he's not like condescendingly looking down saying, look guys, I'm so good. And, and you're not, you should follow my lead. He's like, no, this is just the truth. This is just the way it is. Whether you like it or not, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to be about. I know I got the t-shirt, man. I've been there. Peter had failed miserably and Jesus had saved him radically. Um, last week, we got through one verse. It was incredible. Verse one says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He gives himself four different titles and one person to serve. Guys, it's important that we understand that we are servants. It's imperative that you understand this. Tell yourself you're a servant. You're married, you're single, you're an employer, employee, you are a servant of Jesus Christ in that relationship. If you don't look at yourself as a servant, chances are you're not serving very well right now. You're just not. You're coming up short. You're bitter, selfish. You're shallow, dragging your feet, unhappy. And the big problem here is that Jesus said the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus said the greatest among you must become the servant of all. I just, I just want you to know, in every relationship right now, you can choose to serve or be served. Jesus is our model. Mark 10, 45, please commit it to memory. For the Son of Man came to serve and not be served, but to give his life a ransom for many. Just take that for a spin. Husbands, wives, moms, dads, neighbors, siblings, brothers, sisters, be a servant. If you're not, you're just going to miss out on the rewards of heaven. You're going to miss out on the character of Christ. You're going to miss out on the calling of your life. He says in verse one, he says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just need to hammer on this real quickly before we get to verse two and then make it all the way to verse eight in the next 12 minutes. It's going to happen. You watch. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Maybe it won't. I don't know. He says that this is to those who have obtained like precious faith. The word obtained means received. This is a letter not trying to get people saved. Book of John. This is a letter to people who are already saved. And so he deals with this identity, which is the prime issue of everybody's reality. Are you saved? Have you been born again by the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Have you confessed Jesus out loud and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? And have you been born again, Romans 10, 17? Have you done this? Have you received the free gift, Ephesians 2, 10, of life that has been given to us graciously and freely, lest any of us should boast? I'm asking you that question. Because if you haven't yet been saved, nothing else matters. And until you've been saved, that's the only thing that matters. He says it's like precious faith. And I would just encourage you, if you haven't been saved, okay, today, invite Jesus Christ into your heart. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved that if you call upon the name of the Lord, he will forgive you of your sins. This is the good news. This is why there's people at church here today, because you all have done that, okay? And if you're here visiting, you're like, I didn't know this was church. They said there was free coffee, man. <laughs> the heck, bro? You know, get saved today. Get saved 
today. He said, that's who this letter is for. So those who have received that like precious faith, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse two, grace and peace. We see this introduction with Paul, with Peter, with John. We see this with the guys who knew themselves and they also knew the Lord. And they said, grace comes to you. That's God's riches at Christ's expense. And what's the fruit of grace in your life? Peace for your life. What's the fruit of grace for your life? Peace in your life. And especially in a time like this where situations are going to multiply in difficulty, you know what you need to increase as well? Grace and peace. You need more grace. How many of you guys need more grace in 2021? Okay. Let me just, let me, let me say something. You guys need to also receive more grace in 2021. You also need to be more gracious in 2021. Like, I mean, you, I can say the same thing for 2020. You guys remember 2020? That was crazy. What about 2019? Same thing. Okay, your life. You need more grace. Because look what he says here. Grace and peace be multiplied. Okay, this is more and more. How are we going to do that? Look what it says here. Grace and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of Jesus and knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I've got knowledge highlighted, circled, and underlined. The more you know about God, the more you study this book, the more you go to men's group, the more you go to women's group, the more you go to youth group, the more you go to young adult group, the more you read, the more you study, the more you know God's grace, the more you experience his peace. Amen? Let me figure it out. It's so good. He said, this must multiply to the church, this must be what we experience. It's gotta happen in our lives. And the only way you're gonna do that is through his word. Look at verse three. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to this life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I've got knowledge circled again. He's making this direct connection to understanding who God is. God has given to us all things that pertain to godliness. In the Greek, all literally means all. Do you know that? Because they're theologians. All things that pertain to God. What if they said I gave you 35% of things that pertain to godliness? <laughs> and you guys got to go to the pawn shop for the 65% that are remain, you know. Or you got to, you know, buy someone's book and go to that seminar. You just, you don't have enough. Tony Robbins, man, you need him. You got to go figure it out. Unleash the giant. You got you to buy the book. Listen, do you, do you believe that all things that pertain to godliness and life have been given to you? In Jesus Christ. My kids are in the back. I got three of them. I think there's one upstairs too. Maybe two and three. They're all over the place. And when my kids were born, okay, they're real small. You've seen this before? They're just real small. And, and their DNA code was in them. And within them, in that small little package, was the ability to eventually walk. It was already there. And eventually to, to run and to jump and, and to climb and to drive and, and by God's grace, eventually to move out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all there. It's all there. I don't have to panic. It's all there. It's all been pre-packaged in there. It's just like a seed. You ever seen an apple seed or a fruit seed? Did you know that the DNA structure of stems and sticks and branches and leaves and roots and fruits and more leaves and more stems and sticks and all those things, it's all in there? Listen. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm going to read it to you. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Maybe you're not impressed with yourself right now or you're not growing or you're wondering if you're going to figure it out. He tells us right now, you got it. It's in there. Just like my kids, I didn't freak out when they were one week old and couldn't dunk a basketball, and I gave it some time, you know. Let him grow into it. So to the Lord, he's so patient with you. 
He's so good. As you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, okay, you might not be able to see it. You might not see the growth within you. God sees it. We might not even be able to detect it. It's happened. Have you ever gone back and looked at photos of yourself like five years earlier? And you're like, dang, what was I thinking wearing that? You know, can't believe I did my hair that way. Some of you, I can't believe I had hair, you know. <laughs> what happened? We just grow. You don't even see it. You don't see the spiritual growth in your life right now, at least not the way that the Lord does. And I want to encourage you. He says, you've been given all things. Isn't that good news? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that stink? If you left here as a half Christian, I mean, wouldn't you just feel like a dum-dum? I just can't do it. Can't figure it out. It's not going to make it. Really? The power of God has been given to you through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So much money goes into counseling and self-help industries. What we need is not self-help. We need God help, and we have it. He's given it to us in his word. By the way, you're going to be tricked in this regard. It reminds me of Genesis chapter 3. Remember Genesis chapter 3? How, how much did God provide for them in Genesis th uh, 2? Everything. 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 They had no need. I mean, it was so, it was so cool. And Satan comes along. He's like, yeah, right? You, you don't have everything. Huh? You mean I'm missing something? Yeah, you're missing something. And he lied to them. And they sold out for a lie. It's just a lie. And when you feel like you don't have enough, when you feel like God has given up on you, when you feel like you've come up short, when you feel like there's no hope moving forward, that's the lie that the enemy's been telling everybody since the very beginning. Don't raise your hand, but do you sense this lie every single day? Every single day. The enemy's so stupid. He's not creative. He just runs a whole same lie every single time. He's like, oh, let's go tell them they don't have enough. <laughs> you know. How should we tempt Luke today? Tell him he doesn't have enough. <laughs> that worked yesterday. And yet, the Bible says it's all there. What we really need is just to grow into the people that God intended us to be. Look at verse four. He's called us by glory and virtue, the knowledge of God, by which, that calling, we've been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the world Heaven escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Guys, chapter, I mean, there's just so much theology being tucked into each one of these statements. Peter's brilliant. And he's saying that you and I, according to God's word, that is the precious promises, we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. You understand what he's saying here? We understand the word precious. Man, they're just so precious, the promises of God. When he puts a couple different descriptors on the front of that he says exceedingly great have you considered the promises of god and how great they are i mean they're out of control god says you call on me you'll be saved like really that easy lord if you checked out buddhism there's a lot more to do according to those guys yeah. lord if you checked out islam it's pretty scary you don't even know if you're gonna go to you know there's you, you no guarantee lord if you checked out the jehovah's witness nobody's going except 144,000, and they're all gone like we're all doomed you know <laughs> And you're telling me that I get to go to heaven by calling? That's, a, that's an exceedingly great and precious promise. Jesus said, you call upon me, I'll forgive your sins. Like, what? Lord, I tried that when the officer pulled me over. It didn't work, you know. <laughs> he wasn't impressed. No warning. <laughs> the Bible says that God will finish the work he began. You ever have doubts? We do. The Bible says he's going to take all things and work them together for good, Romans 8, 28. 
The Bible says he's going to wipe away every single tear. It's a promise. The Bible says he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Would you have left you and forsaken you by now? I would have. Not you, me. I would have, probably you too, but the Bible says, no, I'd never do that. Those are my promises. Those are my promises. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love him. How many of you guys are, I mean, just waiting for good news? Like you're waiting for Kate Brown to say something, you know? <laughs> right? You're waiting for somebody to say something new, or something like, ah, good news, you know? Waiting for that lotto ticket to can give you good news finally. This is great news. The promise, exceedingly great and precious promises. Take it to the bank. Read it with me, verse four. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, I got that circled, you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. Wow, what is he? That we might be partakers of the divine nature through the precious promises that God has given to us. Now I'm gonna say something that's a little counter-cultural to the way I usually teach and we're gonna see that throughout the rest of the teaching today. God's done his part, has he not? God has made his promises available to you and I. We don't have, a, we wouldn't have an excuse. You ever heard someone say about maybe an athlete, man, he has great promise. And she has great promise. You ever, maybe a student, she's such great promise. And yet, when you have that great promise, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to capitalize on it. The promises of God in Jesus are yes and amen. amen. Isn't that good news? And yet, how often do we just sit back and wait for God to do what he said he was going to do when he said, no, no, there's a condition. There's a condition. What's the condition? You know that we partake of the divine nature, that we step into what God has already made available, that we do what God has already said we could do. Peter said to Jesus, if it's you, call me to walk on water. All the other disciples, Peter's such an idiot. John, film this, it's gonna be great. And so Jesus gives him a promise. He says, yeah, come out. This is word, I got you. What if Peter didn't live up to that promise? What if he's like, man, that's so cool. Nah, nah, that's crazy. Nah, I'm not gonna live up to the potential of the promises of God. Daniel lived up to the promises of God when he was under pressure in Babylon. King David lived up to the promises of God when he was under pressure as the king fighting against Goliath. It's, it says it right here. We've been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Guys, I wanna encourage you. It looks like we're not gonna get as far as we wanted today. I'm gonna to keep talking though. Don't, don't disengage yet. Yeah, <laughs> don't listen to my promises. I wanna encourage you and challenge you at the same time. I would bet that the majority of us are somewhat discouraged. Just somewhat. Maybe by them, maybe by yourself, maybe by, you know, pick a, pick a person. Hopefully it's yourself because it doesn't do you any good to be discouraged with other people. They need grace. Chances are you're discouraged with yourself. 
And when it says here, Peter says, you have been given divine nature. God's given you his nature. As a matter of fact, I see five things within these texts that I'm just gonna rattle off quickly. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. God's given you a new Lord. When you were born, you were your own Lord. You know that? You wake up in the morning, what do I want? Where am I going? How do I feel? When you get saved, you have a new Lord, okay? You have a new mind. Your mind is different. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have a new Lord, you have a new mind, you have a new nature. You, do you remember what you were like before you were a Christian? Do you remember how radical, you're not perfect now, but you're new. You're a new creation now. And you're on a trajectory now. And everything you do is different than it was before Jesus came and touched your life. You have a new nature, a new Lord, a new mind. You have new desires. You, you, according to verse four, have escaped the lust of this world. Man, this world is so broken. Lust, I'm just gonna explain it to you quickly and we'll talk about this next week. Lust is either one of two things. It's wanting more of what God's already given you enough of, Genesis 3. They already had enough. You already have enough. And yet you want more. You're lusting after more of the corruption of this world. Listen, or it's desiring the things that God has said, those aren't for you. That's forbidden. The world is corrupt and lusting for more of what it already has enough of, lusting for the things that God says, that will hurt you. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. You guys know this. It's forbidden because it's bad. God says, don't lust after that. Why not? It'll kill you. Well, how about just a little bit? What? A little death? Yeah, just a little death. What? You know. Yeah. Right? We've been given precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want you guys to be challenged in this. Verse five is the segue. This is all about Jesus. He's changed you. He's made you new. You're a new person. You're not a perfect person, but you're not the person you used to be, and you're not the person he's making you yet to be. And right now we can rejoice in the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, for all that he has done, all the precious promises, all the new nature, all the new mind, all the new desires, and not just new desires. Don't you, did you remember getting saved? I don't know how your salvation experience was, but I went from crazy to less crazy, okay? And people noticed, they said, dude, this guy, look, what happened to him? My desires changed. Okay, not perfectly, I'm still, I'm still in a broken body, but I didn't want to go do the things I used to do. And I wanted to do the things that I never wanted to do. I remember I went to a church service and heard the word of God taught like I'd never heard taught before. Just someone teach it and explain it, teach it and explain it. It changed my life. That was at the 8.30 service. I found out they had a 10.30 service. I went to that one too. Found out they had a Wednesday night service. I went to that too. Found out they had a Friday noon lunch. I went to that too. Went to the Evangel Christian bookstore. Started buying books on the Bible. Started buying Bibles. Started buying bracelets. I went to the first Christian bookstore I ever went to. I didn't even know the things existed. Christian bookstore. I said, we can buy things and put on our clothes to show that we're Christians. Woo! You know. <laughs> Little fish on the zipper. Like, yeah! Chuck that out! Wow! You know. <laughs> How does that happen? I'm not perfect. My desires are still... Ward for every day. You're a partaker of the divine nature. You've escaped this world of corruption through lust. The world is corrupted through lust. Last thing I want you guys to think about the five things that we get 
when we have a new nature, a divine partaking. We get a new Lord. We get a new mind. We get a new desire. We get a new nature. New desire for an And the fifth thing is we get new power. We get new power. And I would just say in, in closing, we're going to talk about what we do with that now. Verse five, I could just keep going. Should we keep going? Just mess with the 11 a.m. service? Just tell them to find a seat. Tell them they're late. Anyways. <laughs> Daylight savings on, you know. Peter here has lived his life and has concluded theologically that as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that these things will be yours. That you will continue to walk in that new power. I don't know where you're at in your journey right now and what's going on and what you see. The Bible declares that the stakes are high, that the time is short, that the battle is real. This is Pentecost Sunday. I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads. Lord, in Jesus' name now, would you empower us? Lord, would you give us a new power? Would you give us new minds? Would you give us new hearts? Lord, would you give us a new nature? Would you remind us of the beauty and the joy that you've given to us, that new Lord, Jesus Christ himself? It is all a gift from you. And if you need power right now, you're at home or you need to get saved, you're here. If you need power or to be saved, you need to give your life to Jesus and you need Jesus's life in you. You need that divine power. Would you raise up your hand and surrender? Lord, would you anoint us with power on this day, this Pentecost Sunday? Would you anoint us, Lord, to fight the battles that rage, to know what's going on, to not be deceived by ourselves or by others. Forgive us of our sins. Fight for us. Save us, we pray, from ourselves and use us, Lord, for your glory and for others' good. We thank you for all you've done, Lord. Continue to lead us through whatever it is that comes next. May we be so near to you. It's all about you, Jesus. We love you and we receive you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.